Welcome to Ask Canadian Six, your World Sick Organization podcast. I'm so excited today for this special episode to be joined by Dr. Amrita Sukhi and Dr. Rupdaman Minhas. I'm going to let you two do a little bit of your own introductions. Can you, uh, we'll start with Amrita. Can you tell us a little bit about the medicine you practice and anything else you'd like to share with our audience? Okay. Vagrujika Khalsa, Vagrujiki Fateh. I am a nephrologist that is a kidney specialist. I'm an adult um, physician, so I don't see children. I work in Mississauga and I do some internal medicine as well. Uh, I have, of course, um, given that Peel is such a hot spot, I have uh, dealt a lot with COVID patients over the last year. Um, so I do have a little bit of experience there. And that's all I'm going to say. All right, Dr. Minhas. Um, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a, a developmental pediatrician, so I'm a children's specialist. Um, I work at St. Michael's Hospital Unity Health Toronto, so I'm in the inner city in Toronto. So I work with um, families with a range of different types of um, marginalization and disparity um, that they experience. And um, as a part of that, I've, I've, I've worked with children who are in families uh, that have been impacted by COVID in the inner city with newcomer families and families in shelters as well. Um, and um, in terms of um, some of the other work I do within the community, I'm um, the medical lead for um, an account we have called uh, Punjabi Kids Health, where um, we talk about children's health issues within the Punjabi community, um, parenting supports. We have some, some information on COVID as well, and it's on Instagram at Punjabi Kids Health. That's so great. Thank you so much both for being here. And we'll plug those at the end as well. So folks can go out and see those resources. I've seen some of them. They're incredible. And we'll put them in the notes when we publish this podcast as well. So you two are doctors in a healthcare system. You are Canadian six. That's why you're on this podcast. You are members of the community. And I think was hoping to have a conversation where we could talk openly about what COVID is, what the vaccines are, how they're rolling out, why we should take them. I wrote down a whole list of questions uh, and I want you to answer honestly and I want you to speak to people of the sick community. Uh, we do have a very challenging history with the healthcare system, be it from Punjab and our relationship with authority and with systems in general. And then when we come here as immigrants who are underserved by these systems. So a lot of very real reasons to feel hesitant. And we also have, if we're not feeling hesitant, we also have a lot of real barriers to access. So I have now tried to get vaccines for quite a few folks in my family. And it was like getting concert tickets. Like you would just kind of hope that they wouldn't sell out or you could hope that you were on the right website trying to get them. So even in the best of cases, still a lot of barriers. Get me started on why Brampton doesn't have enough vaccines. That's a different podcast. Um, <laughs> but we'll start with uh, you, Rip them in. Uh Real, real 101. And can you just explain what is coronavirus? What is COVID-19? What are we dealing with here? Yeah, so it's, um, so uh, COVID or COVID-19 is um, the disease that's associated with the coronavirus itself. They call it coronavirus coming from um, the word crown, um, which Latin or Greek. Um, and so that's the shape of some of the proteins when you look through a tiny little microscope, like an electron microscope to look at what the coronavirus looks like. Um, but essentially, it's an infectious disease. It's a virus um, that is passed um, from person to person um, through respiratory illness um, and respiratory um, kind of fluids. So that could be through um, saliva, discharge from your nose, coughing or sneezing, um, and in those droplets that kind of hang out in the air for a little while. Um, and so um, it's, it's, of course, gotten so much attention. It's led to this global pandemic um, because... Um, it passes so easily um, and it really hits hard for, for folks who have um, particularly underlying medical issues. So cardiovascular disease, diabetes, respiratory diseases, cancer um, as well. And so 
Um, in particular, when we think about generally within the South Asian community, we know that many folks within our community have risk factors for those other diseases as well. Um, and um, we can talk more about this, but particularly the South Asian community, the Punjabi and the Sikh community have been hit particularly hard with this virus. Um, and we know that when you have those other factors at play in your health, um, you're more likely to have more severe disease. Um, and because it passes so quickly, um, you can, even if you're not feeling sick from it, you can pass it on to someone else who could get severely ill or, or die. Okay. So we've heard these things before. We've heard of diseases that are very easily transferred. We've been scared of things before. I've lived through SARS. Um, Amrita, for you, the next question for you, why is this one worse than the other ones? Why is this one that's worth shutting down the world for, shutting down the economy for? Why haven't I seen my niece and nephew in a year? My, we've said this on a previous podcast. My family got stranded in India why is this one so much worse than everything else we've been through, the flu and SARS? Like, this is the one that shut down the world. That's a great question. Uh, first, I'll compare it to the flu. So we have heard, well, it's just a flu. 99% people survive, just 1% die. 1% of people dying is a lot if you're looking at a population basis, considering that it, like Rupadaman said, it spreads so fast and it, you know a lot of people get infected from one person if you're talking about 30 million canadians one percent of them dying is 300,000 people and that's a lot of people to lose um now that's one percent of general population um in my patient population 30 percent of my patients who got it died and that's the kidney population um and that's a huge percentage to have to lose 30 percent of our patients who got it um certainly uh death is not the only uh, bad thing about it because even the people who do get and get sick months later are very sick. We've had people get a lung transplant because their lungs were so damaged. We've had people, you know, months later still on oxygen, uh, other neurological issues. So just because you're not dying doesn't mean you're necessarily surviving um, with uh, and recovering completely back to normal. The other thing is, it's, why is it worse than SARS? SARS uh, that happened, like this is SARS-CoV-2. So SARS stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. This is also caused SARS, but the second version of it, because it's similar to the first virus that caused SARS back in the early 2000s. Um, that one was so bad that it killed its host. So that virus didn't get a chance to spread as much because the people who got it died and they died. A lot of them died and they died fast. So they didn't have a chance to travel around and spread it as much. So that's why that kind of, you know, settled uh, on its own and didn't need such uh, a strict lockdown, even though they, they were quarantining people back then as well. Um, and a general flu is does not get people sick like this. I was on the COVID wards last week. Everybody with, that was admitted was mainly less than 60 um, in their 30s and 40s and 20s. 50s with no other medical conditions needing high flow oxygen some of them I had to send to the ICU and these are young people without other comorbidities so it's not just it's definitely hitting people who have a lot of other medical conditions harder but just because you're healthy doesn't mean you're not at risk of being admitted to the hospital and getting very sick and potentially dying so it's much, much worse than anything else we've ever seen in terms of death rates and uh, morbidity, which is having long-term uh, effects from uh, even after you, you you get better, quote unquote. Yeah, I heard an interview where people were, uh, they lost the ability to taste. And this these were three people and it was on <clears throat> CBC and they had, they were all involved with like the food industry. Like they, one was a food critic, one was a restaurant owner. And I was like, that you're not going to be able to eat something, <laughs> eat something yummy. <laughs> that, yeah, that would really suck. <laughs> if, you, if you have a motivation, do that. Um, okay, so here's, uh, for most of us, uh, we are in different situations. We're not doing what you folks are doing. We're not in the medical field. Um, and I can say that I haven't seen this. I haven't actually seen what it looks like. I haven't seen, I hear things, I get scared. I hear things on the news and the radio. Um, I hear there's no more oxygen in India. I hear that we're moving patients out into other ERs here in Ontario. I hear the police can stop me if I'm going across a provincial border. 
Um, Amrita, especially because you have done this, like you've been on a COVID floor, you've dealt with COVID patients. And for folks who are not here for this part of it, and and I also respect that people want to just not dive into this part, please skip ahead the next 30 seconds and tune back into the Q&A about the vaccines. But what does this thing look like at its worst? What are we seeing and what are we trying to prevent? We are seeing people gasping for air. Um, I have people on the wards last week. I had, like I said, otherwise relatively healthy people. Um, we prone them. So we make them lie on their stomachs because it helps open their lungs up. I'm giving them the maximum amount of oxygen I can on the wards before sending them to the ICU to be put onto a ventilator. Um, I'm seeing them getting tired, telling me that they're getting tired. They can't eat solid food because it takes too much energy. So we're giving them high energy, high protein liquid diet just because so that because they can't afford taking the oxygen off for long enough to chew food. Um, and we're seeing now after that, we're looking at months of recovery, months and months of recovery. And what you're seeing is terrified family members who can't come in to visit. I'm trying to update them and they're looking for good news. They're looking for me to say, oh, he's getting better. Oh, is he out of the woods? And unfortunately, most of the time, I can't promise that. I said, he's stable, but I don't know when he's going to get worse. Or she, she's fine, but we know within hours, people going from not needing any oxygen to being intubated and on a ventilator. Um, we know we've discharged people because they looked okay. And we know three days later, they've been back and you know admitted in the ICU. Um, and not just their breathing issues. I've had patients with kidney failure because of this, needing to start dialysis, which is, you know, the kidneys have failed, weird clots, heart failure. Um, Toronto General Hospital has... A bunch of people, like I've never heard that they would have this many people. Basically, there's machines doing everything for them. Their lungs are not working, so the machines are doing the oxygen exchange. The machines are pumping the heart. The machines are cleaning the blood. Their body's literally doing nothing. So it's, I think, and, and I think it's terrifying. And a big part of it is like the patients are terrified and also the family members because, you know, they can only call and get updates every now and then and they can't come in and see their loved ones and they can't be there when they're dying. Yeah, I think that's really difficult to, to think about. And I think that that's been, um, as someone who largely has not seen this virus at its worst, I've heard about it. I've been sitting at home because of it but I haven't seen what it does to a body. Um, I think conversations with you, conversations with other healthcare providers. And the other thing that's been really difficult is my family is they're funeral directors, funeral service providers. And so they do all of that end of life part. Um, and when, so when I hear from you that like this has gotten bad, or I hear from my mom and my dad that, you know, this has gotten bad. Um, it's a very different, it hits home in a very different way than um, hearing about it. Just as a number on the radio, I subscribe to newspapers and I they, the stats come in like there's sports stats every day, breaking news, this many cases, this many dead. But that number, this many dead, is very different from having one person you know say, I lost my mom and she died alone. Um, or she didn't have enough services. Um, so I think, I think, so I just, I wanted to get a very, very clear picture of that, but I don't want to sit in that uh, for a very long time. I do, I do want to move forward. But before we go into um, the vaccines, Rupadaman, there's a whole secondary um, set of things that happen in hospitals and in healthcare settings because COVID is taking priority. What have you seen mm -hmm. in terms of the services for the children that you work with? What's shifted in the way that you work to make room for this? And like, what, what impact is that having on kids? Uh, we are seeing, I mean, I know, and we've been using this word unprecedented, but it continues to be the right word to use um, for the first time in any sort of rememberable history, um, our children's hospitals are making space for grownups. Um, so the ICU at the Hospital for Sick Children um, is making space for adults um, because the adult hospitals are just so full. Um, we're seeing redeployment. And so many of my colleagues are now um, um, changing the services that they provide. So pediatricians, pediatric nurses are being taken out of those clinics um, so that they can work in other areas of the hospital that are, are now busier because of COVID as well. Um, 
And then for the services for kids that are being provided, a lot of that has shifted to um, to virtual where possible. So I work with a lot of um, children who have um, disabilities or neurodevelopmental diagnoses, um, so things like autism, and our wait list is just getting longer um, because we're not able to see them in person um, because we're trying to minimize um, uh, traffic in our waiting rooms, uh, the number of kids that are coming and going. And so these are these non-infectious sort of repercussions that are happening in other parts of the healthcare system and on, on kids as well. Um, and of course, a separate conversation for another day perhaps is around how it's impacted schools um, and closures and the collective sort of mental health and educational experience of children in this generation as well. Absolutely. Um, and the, the one thing that I think feels really big about this is that our choices behavior does actually make a difference in this thing. And sometimes there are th- thing, bad things that are happening in the world that feel so overwhelming and people say, what can I do? And this is one where wearing masks, socially distancing, following precautions, getting vaccines, all of these things actually do make decisions. So there's a lot of systems pieces, but there are also a lot of personal choices and behaviors that can impact that. Ultimately, vaccinated is a choice. And it's one that while I've had conversations um, with people that I love and respect and care about, it's been one that I haven't been able to offer real answers to. Um, so I'm hoping that like once this is done and recorded, I can just be like, great, listen to Amrathan Rupin because they know what they're talking about. And also that I can learn enough. Um, and so, and that was one piece is like, I don't know the answers. And the second part was, it's actually, it has been very challenging explaining things in Punjabi. Um, so, so, ਜਿਹੜੇ ਸਾਡੇ ਬਜ਼ੁਰਗ ਆ ਜਿਹੜੇ ਪੰਜਾਬੀ ਬੋਲਣ ਵਾਲੇ ਜਿਹੜੇ ਨਵੇਂ ਆਏ ਆ ਜਿਹੜੇ ਪੰਜਾਬੀ ਬੋਲਦੇ ਆ ਅਸੀਂ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਨੂੰ ਵੀ ਸਮਝਾਉਣਾ ਆ ਵੀ ਇਹ ਵੈਕਸੀਨ ਚੀਜ਼ ਹੈ ਕਿ ਹਾਊ ਡਸ ਇਟ ਵਰਕ ਐਂਡ ਵਾਈ ਵੁੱਡ ਯੂ ਟੇਕ ਇਟ ਸੋ ਆਮ ਗੋਇੰਗ ਟੂ ਸਟਾਰਟ ਵਿਲਸ ਗੋ ਬੈਕ ਟੂ ਅਮਰਤਾ ਵਾਟ ਇਜ਼ ਅ ਵੈਕਸੀਨ ਹਾਊ ਡਸ ਇਟ ਵਰਕ ਹਾਊ ਡੂ ਥੀਸ ਕੋਵਿਡ ਵੈਕਸੀਨਸ ਵਰਕ ਓਕੇ ਫਰਸਟ ਆਫ ਆਲ Try to explain that in Punjabi. I totally get it. I mean, even now when I have my patients, I just say English words with a Punjabi accent and you, and you don't think. I, t- I try. And it's a real thing. I tried to explain antibodies to my mom and it was, I was, here's my expl- explanation of antibodies in Punjabi. Let's hear mine. Oh, knuckly virus. You know what? I'll do it. I'll do, if, you're, if you're listening, I am not a medical doctor. And, and this is not the explanation you should use. This is a sample of what not to do. So I said, knuckly virus that they which bond they are, the fear that DJ that is really the defense jadia or otpendia or knuckly virus no laden the koshish kardia the o jadata disread which bandaya jada onu jado ladai kardaya or sreech that is man bandaya odin a murke jado asli covet that is reach on the after that is read the ar hundaya. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's <laughs> it gets the message that's, across. Yeah, exactly it. So, so I mean, there's two different vaccines, right? So you have the Moderna and Pfizer, which are the mRNA. And I will talk about that as well, because I know people are like, oh, it's going to change my DNA. I'm going to become like, I don't know, something about Bill Gates and chips and stuff. But anyways, um, and then there's the second uh, vaccine, which is the AstraZeneca, or the third vaccine here, which we, which is the AstraZeneca, which is an adenovirus vector. Um, so the mRNA vaccine, basically, all it is, is that it is a piece of like coding of a protein. It's actually brilliant that they, I mean, they've been working on it for decades. This is not like, oh, a new thing, whatever, right? They've been playing with this stuff for years and years. Basically, a virus has these proteins on it, the coronavirus, that protein binds to a cell, and that's how it infects the cell. So it needs that protein to bind to the cell. What they did was they, that protein on the outside of the cell that binds to your cells, they made a transcription of it. So they inject that transcription into your uh, into your uh, body as the vaccine. Your body cells take that little transcription thing or like the little code, let's say the code for the protein. Um, they make the protein because they have the code. And then your body's like, wait, this is this is not part of me. 
So it starts to make antibodies to it because they're like, this is not this is not part of my body. Um, so now you have antibodies to this protein. So there's no virus. They're not in injecting the virus. They're just injecting the code for that protein. Now your body has seen that code and they have seen that protein. So when you're when you actually get exposed to the virus, you have antibodies and antibodies actually bind to that protein. So it can't inject into your cells. Um, so that's how the mRNA works. Um, and it's not going to change your DNA because it can't actually get into the room in your cell that hosts the DNA. And it doesn't work okay. like that. So I'm going to try, I'm going to try and explain that back to you in Punjabi and then you correct me if, if I got any of it right. wrong. Okay. So this is the MR, what's the, which vaccines are the mRNA vaccines? Moderna and Pfizer. Okay. So Jeta no Moderna, ja Pfizer, Rally vaccine, Merdia. ਉਹਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਅਸਲੀ ਵਾਇਰਸ ਨਹੀਂ ਹੁੰਦਾ ਉਹਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਕੋਵਿਡ ਬਿਲਕੁਲ ਹੈ ਨਹੀਂ ਜਿਹੜਾ ਕੋਵਿਡ ਆ ਉਹਦੇ ਬਾਹਰਲੇ ਹਿੱਸੇ ਤੇ ਇੱਕ ਪ੍ਰੋਟੀਨ ਹੁੰਦੀ ਆ ਤਾਂ ਉਹ ਜਿਹੜੀ ਚੀਜ਼ ਆ ਉਹ ਜਦੋਂ ਅਸਲੀ ਕੋਵਿਡ ਦੇ ਨਾਲ ਤੁਹਾਡੇ ਸਰੀਰ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਜਾਂਦੀ ਆ ਫਿਰ ਤੁਹਾਡੇ ਸਰੀਰ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਰਿਐਕਸ਼ਨ ਹੁੰਦੀ ਆ ਤੁਹਾਡੇ ਸਰੀਰ ਉਸ ਚੀਜ਼ ਨੂੰ ਲੜਨ ਦੀ ਕੋਸ਼ਿਸ਼ ਕਰਦਾ ਉਹਦੇ ਨਾਲ ਤੁਹਾਨੂੰ ਬੁਖਾਰ ਚੜਦਾ ਆ ਤੁਹਾਡਾ ਸਾਹ ਔਖਾ ਹੁੰਦਾ ਆ ਉਹਦੇ ਨਾਲ ਤੁਹਾਨੂੰ ਲੱਗਦਾ ਵੀ ਮੈਂ ਬਿਮਾਰ ਆ ਜਿਹੜੀ ਵੈਕਸੀਨ ਆ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਉਹ ਬਾਹਰਲਾ ਹਿੱਸਾ ਉਹਦੀ ਨਕਲ ਮਾਰੀ ਆ ਉਹਦੀ ਨਕਲ ਮਾਰ ਕੇ ਤੁਹਾਡੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਪਾਉਂਦੇ ਆ ਤਾਂ ਤੁਹਾਡੇ ਸਰੀਰ ਨੂੰ ਲੱਗਦਾ ਆ ਵੀ ਮੈਨੂੰ ਕੁਝ ਹੋ ਗਿਆ ਆ ਫਿਰ ਤੁਹਾਡੀ ਤੁਹਾਡਾ ਸਰੀਰ ਉਹਨੂੰ ਲੜਨ ਦੀ ਕੋਸ਼ਿਸ਼ ਕਰਦਾ ਆ ਤੁਹਾਨੂੰ ਤਾਪ ਸ਼ਾਇਦ ਚੜੂਗਾ ਜਾਂ ਤੁਹਾਨੂੰ ਲੱਗੂਗਾ ਵੀ ਮੈਂ ਬਿਮਾਰ ਹੋ ਗਿਆ ਪਰ ਨਾ ਉਹ ਅਸਲੀ ਕੋਵਿਡ ਆ ਤਾਂ ਨਾ ਤੁਹਾਨੂੰ ਅਸਲੀ ਬੁਖਾਰ ਚੜਿਆ ਨਾ ਤੁਹਾਨੂੰ ਅਸਲੀ ਬਿਮਾਰੀ ਹੋਈ ਆ ਫੇਰ ਫਰਜ਼ ਕਰ ਲਓ ਵੈਕਸੀਨ ਤੋਂ ਬਾਅਦ ਜੇ ਤੁਹਾਨੂੰ ਸੱਚੀ ਕੋਵਿਡ ਹੋ ਜਾਵੇ ਤਾਂ ਤੁਹਾਡੇ ਸਰੀਰ ਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਉਹ ਸਾਰਾ ਕੁਝ ਤਿਆਰ ਹੁੰਦਾ ਆ ਵੀ ਹਾਂ ਹੁਣ ਸਾਨੂੰ ਪਤਾ ਆ ਵੀ ਇਹ ਚੀਜ਼ ਕੀ ਆ ਸਾਡੇ ਸਰੀਰ ਚ ਕੀ ਚੀਜ਼ ਆ ਗਈ ਹੈ ਕਿਉਂਕਿ ਅੱਗੇ ਵੀ ਆ ਹਟੀ ਆ ਤਾਂ ਹੁਣ ਸਾਨੂੰ ਪਤਾ ਆ ਸੀ ਇਹਦੀ ਲੜਾਈ ਕਿੱਦਾਂ ਕਰਨੀ ਆ ਬਿਲਕੁਲ ਆਈ ਬਹੁਤ ਵਧੀਆ ਮੇਰੇ ਕੋਲ ਇੱਕ ਹੋਰ ਆਈਡੀਆ ਆਇਆ ਬੇਸਿਕਲੀ ਚੋਰ ਹੈਗਾ ਫਿਰ ਨੇ ਉਹ ਵੈਕਸੀਨ ਕੀ ਹੁੰਦੀ ਹੈ ਤੁਹਾਨੂੰ ਚੋਰ ਦੀ ਫੋਟੋ ਭੇਜਦੀ ਤੁਸੀਂ ਜਦ ਜਦ ਚੋਰ ਆਉਂਦਾ ਹੈ ਤੁਸੀਂ ਪਹਿਚਾਨ ਲੈਂਦੇ ਹੋ virus. they put the same protein that uh, on the covid virus into it and it, it takes it to your body and your body recognizes it so difference hai ga ya jehdi mrna ya tusi aap photo chhap rahe ho jehdi adenovector di virus ya tonu photo bhej rahe ne okay okay so the 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 most important thing is covid the is not what's going into your body in those vaccines like what's what are they made up of So the mRNA is basically just the trans so it's just the code oh bas hai ga jidda farj kar lo usb stick te unhone photo pa ke tonu de rahe ne tusi aap print karni hai photo theek hai ta ek hor bhi sawal hai je ode vich koi meat ya koi anda ya koi oddan di cheez ta nahi vich nahi um jidda je anda koi nahi um jehdi mrna je modern pfizer di hai gi hai oh bas ਕੋਡ ਹੈਗਾ ਤੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਛੋਟੇ ਫੈਟ ਮੋਲੀਕਿਊਲ ਵਿੱਚ ਹੈਗੀ ਆ ਤੇ ਜਿਹੜੀ ਐਸਟਰਾਜ਼ੈਨਿਕਾ ਹੈਗੀ ਆ ਉਹ ਬਸ ਵਾਇਰਸ ਵਿੱਚ ਹੈਗੀ ਆ ਜਿਹੜਾ ਹਾਰਮਲੈਸ ਵਾਇਰਸ ਹੈ ਉਹਦੇ ਨਾਲ ਇਨਫੈਕਸ਼ਨ ਨਹੀਂ ਹੁੰਦੀ ਉਹਦੇ ਵਿੱਚ ਉਹਨਾਂ ਨੇ ਬਸ ਪ੍ਰੋਟੀਨ ਪਾਤਾ ਓਕੇ ਬਿਊਟੀਫੁਲ ਥੈਂਕ ਯੂ ਅਮ ਨੈਕਸਟ ਕੁਐਸਚਨ ਫॉर ਰਿਪੋਡਮਨ ਵਿਲ ਆਈ ਗੈਟ ਸਿਕ ਇਫ ਆਈ ਟੇਕ ਇਟ um so no um with with the vaccine um like amrita was saying there's no live uh, no live virus in it so jeras tanutika mildo de vich virus covid de virus hani o vich tode vich fail nahi sakdi um sirf ode vich jadan tusi keh rahe ho ki photo khich ke tonu tode immune system nu pata lag janda ke je hun bimari je asli covid de virus aagi ohnu tusi pehlon pehchan ke ਤੁਸੀਂ ਆਪਣਾ ਆਪਣੇ ਆਪ ਨੂੰ ਪ੍ਰੋਟੈਕਟ ਕਰ ਸਕਦੇ ਹੋ ਨੋ ਬਾ
um, but um, um, the, you wouldn't get uh, sick in terms of getting actual well, actual coronavirus disease itself. And maybe I could comment a little bit about some of the side effects as well, if that's helpful. Yeah, please. Um, How? Yeah, what is it going to feel like when people take it? Yeah, so I mean, the most common um, side effect is just soreness at the, the site of the infection. Um, uh, or in English, fever, fatigue, headache, muscle ache, um, some chills and fevers um, are the main things um, to, to watch out for. Um, they're short-lived um, and usually just go away on their own. Um, but uh, again, uh, way better than actually having COVID itself. Man, you got like some good uh, Punjabi terms for all those. <laughs> I literally just <laughs> like, you know, fever on that, chills on there. While we're doing this part, let's do a few more of what what I'm calling like six specific questions. So, Jekar, koi amritari bandaya, koi rehatavich randaya. So um, like if you do an angiogram or if you have any type of like anything that requires removing the hair or shaving. No. Just no, <laughs> just no. Flat I mean, no. I mean, just, yeah, it's just a needle. It's like, it's, yeah. I mean, and the other than like the side effects, which are like, for me, it was terrible. I couldn't get out of bed after my second dose, which is fine. I was happy. I was like, yes, my bodies are making antibodies. <laughs> so the, the first <laughs> time I've welcomed side effects. Um, I really uh, liked that framing of it. It's, it's that those, those side effects are your body working. Oh yeah. And I like, I didn't even take a Tylenol or Advil. I was like, I don't want to temper anything. <laughs> I was like, let my body have a full proper reaction. Um, no, there's no, like, you know, there's no problem. There's It's okay for everybody. Okay, and then one more death question. For, depending on how much you observe that, anything that alters your mood or your mind or anything that significantly like um, painkillers people will abstain from because it feels like it's in that line of things that are going to um, intoxicate or change your your mind or your body. No, but I was like delirious after my second dose because I was <laughs> Wait, what was your reason for being delirious? It was my like just aches and chills and like I'd never I have not been this sick in like the last time I was this sick was when I did a pediatric rotation and <laughs> I got something from children. Uh-huh. <laughs> for them, and how did you feel after? Welcome you to got my it? world. <laughs> you know what? Uh, for me, the the first the first dose, I felt achy for about a day and a half, two days. Um, I felt warm. It wasn't a true fever, though we measured it. Um, and um, I just took the time to relax. Um, and I had my family pamper me a little bit and um, bounced back. After the second dose, so I had the Pfizer. After the second dose, um, uh, no concerns. I, I felt great. Just a little bit of soreness on my arm where I had the injection, but I was I was ready to go. Everyone else, Exactly. And I love it. Oh, let's frame these as like vaccine vacations. Okay. So next question. I love it. Next question. We don't have long-term data on these things. We don't know what they're doing to our bodies. Why should I trust something that doesn't have long-term data? Honestly, as I'm yeah. saying, I eat Maggie noodles, so I'm not sure <laughs> I'm going to worry about taking the vaccine. Um, but uh, it's there isn't long-term data. We've had about a year. Oh, of Maggie that. noodles is one of our sponsors, so now we're going to have to cut that part out. <laughs> okay, there are sponsors. How come no hookups for me, man? 
It was in your um, care package, your WSO <laughs> podcast care package. Um, so there isn't long-term data in terms of like, it's been about a year and there's hasn't been no, like no side effects really have been noted, but uh, we know with COVID um, it's going to be much worse, right? And vaccines have been around for decades and decades and decades. This is not new technology. Um, the concept of vaccines isn't new. Um, so that's why I'm not concerned. It's like there's not it's not it's not a radically new idea. The concepts of vaccines have been around for decades and we know they work. Um, so I've never really been concerned about long term side effects. All it is, is my body be seeing a protein and responding to it. It's the same as getting the virus just without the severe side effects of the virus. And maybe I'd add, I think when we think about long term data, um, with something that people are kind of thinking of as a new vaccine, like Amrita saying, the, the basic structure of the vaccine is the same. We know how it works. We know that these are safe. Um, and those have been studied in, in other diseases really well. Um, the, when we think about long-term data for a new vaccine, the main thing we're thinking about is just how long that immunity lasts. Like, is it going to be exactly. years? Is it going to be many, many years? Do we need a booster down the road? Um, if we're thinking about side effects and the impacts of a vaccine, um, and um, we, we usually know those within like four to six weeks um, in terms of what those are going to be. Um, so the long-term long-term data, I think will be helpful to figure out if we need boosters down the road. Um, but at this point, um, I think the, the data is pretty solid in terms of what we need to know about the vaccines. That's amazing. And if I, if I may add my non-medical expertise, I... I am someone who welcomes criticism of Western medical approaches. I believe that there's room mm. for a whole bunch of, like, I think healing can happen in different ways. The two things that I've personally always, like, applauded Western medicine for are antibiotics and vaccines. Like, there, I have very little personal hesitation in terms of those two things. Everything else, I'm like, yeah, does this blood pressure medication, is it the best? Let's let's have a question. Let's have a conversation about that. Let's look at that closer. Um, these are two things that, yeah, time and time again have shown really great results. Amrita, you can say something? Yes. Um, so the other, you know, thing you'll hear people like, oh, but like they just pushed it through so fast. Um, and exactly in that voice. Uh, but really what <laughs> the um, issue is, you know, other drugs and other, you know, drugs for other treatments you need to enroll volunteers. There needs to be a prevalence and incidence of the disease, i.e. you need to have a certain amount of people with the disease to be able to see if that medication works. It takes months and years to enroll participants. Here, there were people lined up to volunteer to be in research studies, and there were people lined up to go outside and eat in restaurants without masks and get COVID. Um, so you mm. could basically easily do a good study very fast because the, there's so many people who have it and there's so many people who volunteer to be in trials. And with that, I think some of the, the numbers, like we, I think with these trials, it's like 10 times the numbers of most of the previous yeah. um, vaccine trials that have been done. So like it is, again, solid, like they've got so many people that are a part of these trials um, and not pushed through, like they still go through the same rigors. Um, so the the slowdown of getting people in, like Amrita's saying, is not there. People were ready to go. The vaccine was ready to go, um, and um, and it's gone through the same sort of the all the checks and and processes um, that we we would need to be assured of its safety. Awesome. Okay, and here's the million dollar question. I'm gonna ask group of them first. Which vaccine should I take? So everybody's. Yeah, everybody's been saying this recently. I I think the 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 first one you can get right. So this is this is the the thing right now. And I think part of what we're probably hearing as a part of our conversation today is it's about risk, right? So are you really are you really wanting to to risk kind of waiting for whatever you think is the name brand one that you want to get um, uh, when we know <laughs> the Gucci I mean, vaccine <laughs> exactly the Gucci vaccine? It's, it's, it's it is it's the new it's the new handbag, right? It's like which one did you get? Which one did you get? Yeah, but that's the bella question you put there, and certainly within our conversations, but it's um, it's really the first one you can get. We know that all of them are really good at keeping you safe keeping you from getting severely ill and dying. Um, and um, that's, I think, really what, when we're in a situation right now, when we're having this conversation in this time and space, that um, COVID is, um, it's a very real concern, um, particularly within our community, um, where, um, 
um, and um, it's it's gonna it, it's it makes an impact for you and also for the rest of your um, your family, your community, your sangha. And I'm gonna I and I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna echo that as well because really, you we don't have the luxury of sitting there and waiting for the right one. Um, and I'll we'll talk about why which one's the right one. There is really isn't um, because if you're out and about, the risks of um, whatever risks you're worried about, the risks are COVID are far, 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 far worse. Far, far worse. So I was gonna, I was gonna, because I'm gonna do the pushback. Those are what my questions are today. So if I say to you, um, but if I take the, I know Johnson and Johnson, I don't think is here yet. We've ordered it, but it, they shut it down in the U.S. because of blood clots. There was a one in million chance that you could get a blood clot from. Uh, Johnson and Johnson, and of the like seven people that got it, one person died. So there's a one in seven million chance that I could die if I took the Johnson and Johnson. Why should I take a one in seven million risk? Yeah. If you're out and about, your risk of dying from COVID is far, far greater, right? You're, if you're talking about 1% risk and then much more higher percentage of morbidity from it is much higher. Um, now the risk, the Johnson, I, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll speak a little bit about the AstraZeneca because I know that there's risks, you know, there's all these talks about the clotting and this and that. I think they're just, they do, I don't think they handled their PR very well. There is a risk of this clotting. It's it's what's it's called vaccine-induced immune thrombotic thrombocytopenia, whatever. It's a big, it's a mouthful, VITT. Um, and you're seeing weird clots with it. Um, so the Johnson & Johnson was, yeah. Get it, in, you're a doctor. You, you know the big I, words. <laughs> I just have to make sure everybody. Okay. So um it's one in seven million for the Johnson and Johnson. For the AstraZeneca, there's you're gonna see different numbers, right? So we in Canada have given seven hundred thousand doses of the AstraZeneca and we have seen three cases. So you're getting in about one in two hundred and fifty thousand. In the UK, it's their numbers are they're saying one in uh four million. Um, so you'll see the range, right? The Norwegian study was like one in 26,000, which I don't think is true. Like that's, I think that's way too high. Um, but one in 250,000, even if we use that estimate, which is the Canadian one so far, and it's hard to come up with accurate numbers because then, you know, the numbers are so low. Um, if you're out and about, your risk of COVID is, if we're saying 1%, if you die and it's a high risk of you getting it, that's much more than one in 250,000. Right. right. So, so these are these are the odds. We're looking at either one in two hundred fifty thousand or one in a hundred, and then that's what you're using to decide. Yes. And so it is whichever one you can get. If you're really, you know, and you know, I'm not like some people are concerned. Some people don't want that risk because you know they're like, well, I'll be the one. But if you're if you're at home and really not going anywhere and not doing anything, and you want to wait, you know, I'm going to say fine. But if you're not that person, if you are an essential worker, if you are out and about, you are meeting people, it's the first one you can get. Or all of them, if I could get them. Um, okay, so this is direct quote from my mom, Me India Walini Loni. So <laughs> here's my question That's about all of our parents and sometimes us included. <laughs> yes. And and I think like I think it's hilarious, but then I also think that like I'll say it in fancier English words. Um, we have a history of experiencing violence at the hands of the Indian state. We have a lived experience of being in India where we know the high levels of corruption in systemic and infrastructure pieces, including the healthcare system. It, we all know someone who uh, had an induced C-section because the doctor just wanted to go home at the end of the day when she could have had a healthy baby, uh, who had who was who was dead and still the doctor kept doing procedures and charged them because it's a private healthcare system in India. We have horror stories from the Indian healthcare system, a horrible experience of uh, state violence. Why should we trust a vaccine? Why should we take a vaccine that comes from India? Mm. So maybe, so it's funny when I, when I hear this question, the first thing that pops into my mind and I, it's a bit of a joke, but it's kind of true is in, in India, there's, it's very different when you've got something that's made for export quality. Um, ah. right. And so this is, this is something that's made in India for the rest of the world, highly regulated. Um, and it is, it is, it is made it at that sort of level that is very closely monitored by um, these external companies, right? And so, 
Um, I think that we kind of, I think sometimes we don't pay attention to where other vaccines come from. So when we think about our kids getting vaccinated with their measles, mumps, rubella, when they're getting their, their flu vaccines, et cetera, do we really ask that question about um, um, but I think this is something that's really been drummed up a lot, but uh, really I would have no concerns um, about this with the, the regulatory processes that are in place and everybody's watching, the world is watching really, um, as, as all of this um, is, is being kind of shared. Yeah, ultimately, like, it's capitalism, right? Serum Institute of India, like, they, so this uh, vaccine is actually UK-based. They're just simply producing it. And like Rupa Dhamman said, you know, a lot of our drugs come from India. A lot of our other vaccines come from India. This is their job. This is how they make money. It's highly regulated. And also, like, they are sending it to us, but obviously they can't, like, directly be like, oh, ha, ha, like, these vaccines are going to, like, ruin the people there because they can't control who's getting it in Canada. I mean, if you were telling me that they're going to go into the villages in Punjab and give vaccines, they're like, I think that's a different story. Um, I don't know if that's, you know, that's not, I don't think that's part of the conversation here, but the vaccines coming from India are, they're very highly regulated. Um, and actually, if you, a lot of drugs you take are probably also coming from India. A lot of our other vaccines are probably also coming from India. Those are some really, really great points. And okay, so I'm just going to repeat those. So this can't be, it's not as targeted as WSO has worked on a lot of things with like foreign interference from India, human rights violations from India. There's no way that they could target this to hurt us because it's such a broad rollout. And also this is a matter of international relations with Canada. Um, so no matter what they have done to us, they wouldn't risk exporting something that would be life or death and because it, it would ruin those international relations. So, I mean, we shouldn't have to oh, that, that re rely on those things, but yeah. The company isn't uh, controlled by the government. That's It's a private corporation. That's For making sure. these. Right? So. Awesome. So that's my, that's my India hesitation. And then I also want to know, I mean, we haven't, as racialized populations, we have uh, IBPOC folks in Canada have been sterilized, have had, there's been genocide against Indigenous folks, um, Black people have, in the U.S., have been experimented on for, uh, for medicine. Why, in a Canadian context where we haven't been served properly by the healthcare system, should we all of a sudden believe that there is an equity lens, that someone does care about me, and that this vaccine, they they want me to take it because they know that I'm vulnerable? Why should we trust the Canadian system? Can I answer with a joke? I mean, not a really joke. Yeah, because, because who got vaccinated first? Rich white people. So if the rich white people are lining up in front of you, <laughs> that means it's something you want. That is all the proof. And that wraps us up. No, I'm kidding. Um, that, we should have started with that. We didn't have to do the whole podcast. Okay, rip, rip them in. Anything to add? Yeah, well, absolutely. Right. So it is, um, I think, from an equity lens, um, this is or this is one of the um, one of the studies, particularly in terms of vaccines, where they put a lot of effort into trying to recruit diverse populations. So these trials for Pfizer and Moderna have had, I think, a third to maybe maybe 40% are um, people that identify as Indigenous, Black, or people of colour. Um, and so that, that I think, means a lot, um, that the, they were part of the testing. We know that it's safe, if, even if we were to think very far-fetchedly about whether there was any genetic differences that would impact us. But I think, I mean, the system, the system has has kind of exposed these cracks in the system around racialized populations within Canada. Um, and this is the time actually where equity and being able to access the vaccine is, is playing out. So this is the time where we, we get to actually, I think, work towards more equity. So if a vaccine is available to you, that's, that's a step, I think, in the right direction. Um, there's a lot of conversation around how this should be happening. But at this point, um, a lot of the communities where, where six live, um, vaccines are rolling out, they are available. Um, so I think this is a time where actually we can turn, kind of turn that around and actually work more towards equity. Yeah. And I think, um, Amrita, I know you were trained at KGH Kingston General Hospital. Kingston had one of the first pharmacy rollouts of the vaccine. So we definitely know that like with no risk, barely any risk of getting COVID in Kingston, there was a huge vaccine rollout. So we know that this has happened without an equity lens. It has happened in richer populations. And we already have months of what's happened to those people to look at and examine 
and um, yeah, good things have happened. And so that like, if you are taking the wait and see approach, I think that's really interesting. So you can already look at the people that took it, but there's already a, there's also a lot to be said about how many racialized uh, folks are doctors, nurses, PSWs, healthcare workers, and how willingly they have taken this. So I think it's it's not just having you two on here to talk about this, but you two believe in it to the point that you have taken it. Um, so next question, um, what do we know? So there's there's some things that it's like, okay, it's easy to find out this is the success rate, or this is how it works, or this is how it works. There hasn't been conclusive data that I was able to find anyways on a couple of vulnerable populations. So what do we know about children? And what do we know about pregnant or breastfeeding folks? So should I take it? Let's do, let's do, let's do the first one. Should I take it if I am pregnant or breastfeeding? The official um, statement by the um, like the Society of uh, Obstetrics and Gynecology of Canada is yes. Um, similar to other, va- it's not a live vaccine, right? So similar to other conditions we've seen, flu, et cetera, they do recommend that pregnant women get vaccinated. There is no, um, um, there's there is an absence of evidence. So some of the studies they did with the Pfizer and Moderna and the AstraZeneca each ended up having a few women in that arm um, uh, that ended up being pregnant, even though they didn't want to include pregnant women. They and some women ended up being pregnant um, and they were fine. But we're looking at low numbers like 20 and one, 30 and one, six and the other. Um, but since then, a lot of pregnant women have been getting vaccinated and they have uh, not noticed any effects. The risk, though, is um, 8 to 11 percent of pregnant women will require hospitalization for COVID. So they're at higher risk of actually getting complications. Um, and 2 to 4 percent of those uh, pregnant women will require an, uh, admission to the ICU. There is an increased risk of preterm birth. Um, so compared to non-pregnant women, pregnant women are actually higher risk for needing. Uh, so that to clarify that those those are women that got it at, like out and about, living their lives, got COVID. Yeah. Those are the numbers you're sharing. Okay. So they're actually pregnant women are actually higher risk for complications from COVID. Um, so that's why they're you know people don't want to deny them the vaccine. We don't have long-term data. Um, but if we are extrapolating from previous vaccines, there's no reason to believe that this is unsafe. Um, but nobody's going to come around, come out and just say, oh, yeah, it's 100 percent safe. So I would say this. If you're really uncomfortable and you don't go anywhere and you're not at risk for getting it, I think it's OK to you know, make the decision for you and your child. Get it. But if you are somebody who is out and about, um, the risk of COVID is far, far worse. Okay. And then the second uh, vulnerable population, Rupadaman, what does what do we know about children and vaccines? So the current vaccines um, are approved for 16 and up. Um, and so um, there are trials happening for the next tier down. So essentially when these trials happen, they start with um, with the the grown-ups um, and then move down from there in these age categories. Um, and so for 16 and up, um, these vaccines are considered um, safe and they're, um, they are able to access them um, as the rollout happens. Um, the, there, are, um, there are trials happening that have shown some initial really positive signs that they work just as well in the 12 to 15 year olds. And we're hopeful that later this year, um, um, I think the, the, we're all finger, uh, crossing our fingers that around back to school time in September or in the fall that we'll be able to get um, our 12 to 15 year olds um, vaccinated, likely with the same vaccines. Um, and then there's still testing to be done. Um, it's being done right now on the younger kids, um, so younger than 12. So um, those trials are being done. We're waiting to hear back on what that's going to look like. Generally, I would say, I mean, the expectation is that that the that this, the the same vaccines will be safe. Maybe there might be some components that might be changed, or the dose might be changed. Um, but again, this is just basing on based on all of these other years and years of vaccine science that we have, and how we adapt it to different different populations. So I would say sixteen and up right now is it's 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 ready to go, um, and then we're we're working our way down from there. Awesome. Okay, and then this is my wrap up question. There are a lot of reasons. And again, this is something that people are going to have to choose. Our choices and our behavior make a difference in this pandemic. So as people are listening to this and they're thinking about what they're going to do, um, 
What do you see in terms of your Sikhi? What do you see any sick reasons for doing this? Like as, as you're saying that about the kids, I'm thinking my kids might go back to school in September. And if everyone around them, all the adults around them were vaccinated, that even if it wasn't ready for my kids yet, it would make them safer. Um, where, like, what do you see in terms of sick reasons for personal and community-based? What would be reasons for getting this? And we'll we'll start with Amrita, and then we'll go to Rupdaman, and we'll wrap it up. Um, so I think it's similar to the, you know, staying at home, being masked, right? When you are um, going about, and if you are exposed, because a lot of our people in our community are essential workers. They're working in factories. They're a higher risk population for being exposed. They live in multi-generational families. Um, uh, and, you know, we are seeing that in a lot of immigrant populations. That's why they're getting sicker, I think, disproportionately. Um, and, you know, you are interacting with others. So it is really, you know, you are responsible for, I think, people around you as well, because, you know, you might be okay, but somebody else who's sick, you know, might get their mother sick who lives with them and they might die. You know, there's so, I, I think, I think at this point, any risks of the vaccine, any potential long-term effects, even if we don't know, are far, far outweighed by the benefits are far uh, outweighed by our responsibility to our community um, and really the society we live in. So I do think Sarbatapala, I think that that definitely plays a role. We have given our lives for far less um, and you could potentially be saving so many lives by your behavior, by your choices. Um, and, and, and the risk to you is very, very little. Beautiful, thank you. Rupadaman, same question. Yeah, I, I would echo that. I think um, something like this is um, like the, the pandemic has really, um, I know I was speaking with friends recently about how this is kind of the time that our gurus had been preparing us for, right? Like these are, the, these are it's a time of plague, isolation, um, and uh, so many types of distress um, that, that we're we're experiencing. And um, I think going back to some of our basic key principles are so important. So, so about that, Bala, for sure. And I think getting vaccinated really is just a, one of the simplest forms of seva you can do for your community. Um, and some of it is, like I was saying earlier, like it's, it's, it's something that just COVID spreads so quickly. Um, and so if you can, if you can stop that spread, it can make a huge difference for your community, for your family, for your Sangat um, as a whole. So I think, again, thinking of our collective good, um, which is so important to us as our uh, as a community. Um, I think again, uh, the getting vaccinated is is really a very simple form of seva. That's so beautiful. Um, thank you so much, both of you, for joining us today. Um, Rupadhaman, can you tell us one more time? So you had uh, right in the beginning, you had asked folks to check out a couple of things. I think it was Punjabi Kids Health. Yeah, so yeah, we're on um, Instagram, um, and also on Facebook. Uh, it's at Punjabi Kids Health. Um, and so we have information about COVID, the vaccine. Um, it's from a kid's lens and for young families. And we cover lots of other health, health content as well. So Amrita, anything you want to promote? Um, <laughs> like, no, I was like, just like, Google some cute pictures of cats or something. I don't know. <laughs> there we go. We'll we'll call that like for mental health. Look at cute yeah. kitten and puppy pictures. And I no joke, I follow um like puppy Instagram pages because it's just a good thing oh, to have 100%. pop up in your day. <laughs> um, you all know all of our WSO handles uh, at World Tech Org on any platform. Uh, please use the hashtag AskCanadian6 if you have a question for us. And as always, everything we do at WSO is done through um, folks who will give money so we don't have a regular source of income. Please check out the This One tab on our homepage. Please consider being a monthly donor or give whatever amount you can. Um, stay safe. Stay distant. Change your behavior. Make choices so we can get through this faster. And let's get back to the way that we exist as a community. Let's get back to doing Kirtan and Sangat and hanging out with people and giving people hugs. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you both for joining us. And we'll talk to you when we drop our next episode in a month. Bye, Gujika Khalsa. Bye, Gujiki Fateh.